Welcome back to the Writer's Advice episode, Writer's Advice podcast. Welcome to the Writer's Advice podcast. Here's another episode. Thanks for being here. This week and next week are two of my favorite episodes um, and go-tos. So if you are new here, these are really great to listen into. If not, and you've been enjoying this podcast, either way, you're going to absolutely love it too, because I have put together some great little tidbits of from every podcast that we have had and every author that we have interviewed this um, year, essentially, of 2022. So this is the best of 2022 when it comes to writer's advice with the question, what um, advice would you have for any up-and-coming writers or writers looking to take their um, their career to the next level, essentially? So this is Little Snippets. This week and next week, because there's so much goodness um, to share in both episodes, and I want to I wanted to spread this out because I wanted to make it a little bit slower because I really want um, this stuff to be taken in rather than overloading you with you know so much advice in one episode. I've spread it out to two, so this um, yeah I don't think I've got anything else to share with you other than I hope you are having a fabulous. Um, Christmas and New Year's and wonderful time of the year that it is. And if you love these episodes, please um, subscribe, please like, please um, review, please share it with a friend who you also think would love this episode as well. This is a really great little bit of advice with also this time of the year, I feel like everyone is putting um, together like your plans what you want to achieve for the next year and I hope this gives you some more than motivation but it helps you put everything into place that you want to achieve for the upcoming year of 2023 so without further ado enjoy this little mashup episode guys of the best advice um from the writer's advice podcast writer's advice is a point of connection a dose of inspiration and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. just depend on if I continue to sell that many books but it's a good pace for me I like it I have a lot of ideas I don't that was the one good thing about writing for so long without selling anything was that mm-hmm. crown was my ninth manuscript that I completed so I knew that it wasn't like it was the first thing I'd ever written I'd spent five years working on it and then I was gonna have to write something else under tight deadline like I had kept moving enough to know like I have more ideas I can, and I set deadlines for myself. Like I can meet these, you know, demands. So that has really, even through the pandemic, you know, I've been able to keep up my same schedule, even with homeschooling my kids and all those things. So that has given me the confidence that I don't, I hope I have the opportunity to keep publishing more books for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what does your current schedule look like? Or even how has it changed from now to when you first started? I think when I first started, I was actually more devoted because I wanted it so bad. And so like when my kids were really little, I would stay up late at night. I would cram all the writing I could into their nap times. I was kind of like 
driven in a way I feel a little more relaxed now that I've actually published some books. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel like that panic that I kind of felt or like I was racing against the clock all the time. You know, my originally my goal was like, I'm going to be published by the time I'm 30. And then that <laughs> came in like, like five years. And so I don't, I don't feel that kind of pressure anymore. Um, I don't feel like I have to work every single day. If I have a deadline, then I work every single day. But if I'm between deadlines and we're going on a family vacation, I try to like separate my work from that. Yeah. I try not to work when my kids are home um, because I try to spend that time with them. But of course, when they weren't in school because of Rona, I didn't have a choice. And that was challenging. This is the guest bedroom. And I was like, I need a, I had a desk upstairs, but it's in like a loft. There was no door. I was oh. like, no, I need a door. <laughs> like I have to, be able to separate myself from everybody. Um, and it was hard, but yeah, I think I never got super precious about like my, my process because I never yeah. had that opportunity. Like I had small kids and we were moving. And so it was like, you have to just make it work if you want this. And yeah. 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 So there's no specific things that you do to help you feel creative. The stories just kind of come to you and. Um, I, th I feel like every time I finish one story, I'm always like, will I get another idea? Like when's it going to come? And then as soon as my brain is kind of freed up from the one thing that I'm working on, something always comes. And it yeah. usually comes from another book or a magazine article or a TV show or music, some other creative thing will kind of give me some little stuff. I feel like you just have to be receptive to the ideas and then they're definitely out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't ever go looking for them. They kind of find me, which yeah. is fortunate, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I certainly like it takes me a while to get in the flow state of drafting especially and if I had you know a perfect situation I would probably go somewhere for two weeks and have no interruptions and just let let it out um but yeah it just hasn't worked out that way I haven't gone on any kind of retreat or anything for two years since you know since before the pandemic um so I I try to have you know, two to three hour chunks of time. Ideally, I when I when I lived in Peru, I had a full time maid slash nanny helping me, which was huge. So I could write for like six hours straight, which I think is how I wrote. I rewrote the book that had gone on submission and didn't sell. I wrote Crown. I wrote Luminous all during this short span of time because I had that time. But but now, I mean, I've drafted the most recent thing I wrote. It probably took me four months. And it yeah. was, you know, I'm very like goal oriented. So if I say I'm going to write 5,000 words that day, I'm going to write 5,000 words that day. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's what you do. Yeah. You give yourself that word limit or time limit. And it's like, yep, this is my time. This is what I'm getting done. Switch off from everything else. And that's yes. that. Yeah. Get lost in the story. And what is your favorite part of the process? Is it the drafting or, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. The initial idea and getting it out. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people hate that part because they like they like the structure of revising and feeling like, okay, it's here now and I can fix it. But I like drafting because it's the one part of my life where there's no limits, there's no mm. rules, uh, especially with fantasy. I'm, I'm not worried necessarily about 
what anyone else is going to think. It's just me and I can get in that flow state, which, you know, where time just disappears and you don't even realize it's happening. That's like the best feeling. Yeah. So that's our favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's when you're in the most, yeah, you're in the most flow. So that's excellent. Um, Is there any other books or anything that you would recommend for um, writers to read on the process of writing or Um, or anything that helped you get through? Yeah, I mean, I've read the ones that, you know, everybody talks about, like Bird by Bird and Stephen King's on writing. Um, And they're all great. I think um, the outline that I tend to use, I'm not a huge outliner, but I do like to have sort of a rough idea of where I'm going. The Blake Snyder's Save the Cat Beat Sheet is sort of what I use. Um, You can find it online. You don't have to read the book. but no, I think, I think a lot of people get bogged down in feeling like they have to have a process or they see authors who have like 50 note cards all on a wall that they're moving around. And that's really intimidating. I don't write like that. I have maybe like a 10 point outline that I follow. And then I do let myself get kind of lost in the story and let it take me where it wants to go. Um, and so far it hasn't let me down. There's always a point at like the two thirds mark where I'm like, okay, I know where it's going to like, what the climax is going to be, but now I got to get there. And I, at that point, maybe need to go back and outline a little bit more clearly. So I know what I'm doing, but I like the surprises of not having a total set out plan where you like write something that you don't know what it's going to mean. And then hundred pages later, you're like, oh, I, I planted that seed, which I didn't know I was doing. Like, that's such a great feeling. So yeah. I think, I think people just need to be, to just trust themselves a little bit and not feel like, oh, well, this person writes, you know, 10,000 words a week, or this person, you know, has to have, you know, these three hours every morning that they use, or they have to have the right food, or they have to be in the right spot, or I have to do it, you know, I have to have it completely planned out ahead of time, like just, it's not going to look for what your process is not going to look like anybody else's process, and that's okay, and do what works for you, whatever allows you to like, get your butt in the chair the next day and feel excited about writing is your process, you know. A hundred percent. And I'm so glad that you said that. That is kind of the reason why I put this um, podcast together because it, there is no one way of writing or how, and it is, it's whatever works best for you. And throughout these interviews, you know, people are, people are able to see that. And, or even just if you try something that someone else has like, oh, actually that's what works best for me rather than like, there's this one way it's creativity. There will never. this pressure or this fear of what I really wanted to write and just do what I, what I had always felt drawn to do things were just quick, but I I don't think I would have been able to build the bridge to my success without those mistakes or, you know, not, they're not even mistakes. They were just laying a foundation, you know, to be better at all of this, at the writing, at the publishing, at the marketing, all of it. Absolutely. This is such a great story. I I love this so much. I've got so many questions from that, but um, chaotic. So I hope it makes sense. <laughs> I hope no, you learned something. What I want to know is, 
I can't even imagine there'd be so many challenging times within that 18 years, especially when you have such a clear vision of, of what you want. Is that what kept you going? Like, because throughout rejection and constantly learning and bettering yourself, you, you didn't give up. Like, yeah, I just knew, you know, I think sometimes we, I, I have a very strong um, connection to like what I feel is my sole purpose. Like I, at the core of it, I was like, this is what you're meant to do. I always believed that like at its core, I couldn't be anything but an author. And I just knew I, I've, there, there's very few things in my life, like that I don't feel very certain about. Like everything I decide on is something I 110% believe in. And I followed like my intuition every step of the way with this. And I think that I did, there were times when I thought, even now as a successful author, there are times when I'm like, why do you do this? It's like so stressful and so exhausting. And it's that, you know, sometimes you feel like there's, there's payoff, but sometimes it's painful too at the same Mm -hmm. time. Um, But I really just think, you know, that's what kept me going because I, I remember getting feedback from a critique partner. I was in college, still getting my bachelor's degree. And it was my first it was one of my first books. I hadn't yet published it because I didn't publish until my grad years. And she was just, she just said like, my book was not good. You know, it was like, basically I didn't have an understanding of story structure, I think. And so I read this book called Anatomy of Story by John Truby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we fall into two camps. You're either that one or you're Save the Cat. And I have never been able to read Save the Cat, but if Save the Cat helps you read it, you have to go with what you feel connected to right so I read it and I took all these notes and I revised my book but before I got there I gave up like I I piled everything into like the middle of my room I was ready to just throw it away but the next day I was like okay you just have to start over and I I think you have to just be okay with that you always at this with writing or just any creative actually anything in your life (laughs) (laughs) really you have to be content with where you are in the moment and I feel like especially like I don't I don't I don't live in another country so I've only ever lived in the United States but here we are so pressured to be young and successful and to always like you know there's this weird thing this weird oppressive thing around people where like you know, you can make it if you just try hard enough, which is not true. (laughs) It's not in truth. It is not true at all. Uh, But that's our culture, you know, and, and it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's hard because you feel as an individual living here that, you know, you can't fail. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things you just, you, you keep going. And if this is really what you want to do, I think eventually you will make it, but someone told me one time, like they had to stand in line and they feel like they, they, when they finally felt like things were working out for them, it's because they had stood in line. And I think all those years, those 18 years, now 19, because I just turned 32, you know, I was standing in line. I was waiting, you know, I was doing the things I was, and it, it did pay off, but we don't have to be young and successful. Like we, you know, I think that the whole point is, the journey you take to get here because it's not going to be rewarding unless you work for it in some you know in a lot of ways like how can you value something that you didn't work for um 
And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people, especially, well, I don't really know. I mean, I think a lot of people in general, especially people of color have to work 10 times harder to be where, you know, some of us are. And uh, I, you know, and I, it's just, it's hard, especially in any industry, the publishing industry though, tries to pretend, right, that they, that they're, they don't whitewash everything and they still whitewash everything. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's always hard, but it, it will be worth it in the end, I think. And that's my personal belief. I think you'll get there. It's just a, it's a whole, it's a whole process. And I wish I had known that 19 years ago. I wish I had known, like, it's okay. Like be content with you don't have to be 21 like Veronica. I think it was Veronica Roth was 21 when she got published, mm. you know. And we look at those stories and we want to be that exception. Mm-hmm. But I'm 32 and I'm an exception to all the rules. Literally everything I've been told, I have done the opposite. So you can be any age and still be the exception. It's okay. I love that. That is that is so great. I take away so much from that. I went in so many directions there, but we got there eventually. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what would you say has brought, like when you said a touch of darkness, you know, didn't have the most successful year to start off with, what was it that changed for you? Was it, you know, obviously you've turned it into an incredible series, but um, what was it that, yeah, took off your next year? Um, so a touch of darkness has like had it feels like it ha- it's had three lifetimes because <laughs> there are three years where things like were kind of odd it was like the first year felt successful I made because I made money off of the yeah. blog, like two thousand dollars and then the next year um I think I released I released ruin and a game of fate so that year was the year I could quit my job um which was huge that's huge right and I thought, this is like it. This is, I made it, right? In the, the second year. Um, and then in the third year, it was like <laughs> beyond my wildest dream. So by the third year, it had gone viral on TikTok. And I wasn't on TikTok at the time. So that's all readers. And I think throughout that whole part, a lot of it was readers. Now, in the beginning, to like sort of lay the foundation for that, I just chose like, a few social media platforms to be on. And I think I started with this idea that I was going to be genuinely me on social media. So I wasn't going to censor myself and I don't, which is the the weird thing sometimes. Um, I was just going to give my opinion like I do in real life and just be who I am. And um, so that meant changing like my aesthetic and uh, to fit with who I really was. Um, so part of this was like weirdly an identity shift because mm-hmm. I was becoming, a, I was just becoming who I really wanted to be. And it was easier to do that sort of, um, because I started writing what I wanted to write romance. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, then when I could quit my job, I could kind of shake off, you know, what I, ha- you know, you have to be a different sort of put a different, like foot forward as far as professionalism goes when you work for a public entity. Um, So I think part of it was like just deciding to be genuine, sticking with my aesthetic, and then those really focusing on a few social media platforms. 
And my goal, everyone always says, go where your readers are. And I think that's, that's frustrating advice for yeah. people. They're like, where are my readers? <laughs> but my thought was like, I want a fandom and where do fandoms live? And at that time, fandoms lived on Pinterest and Tumblr. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what do people seek when they are, you know, obsessed with something and it's quotes, right? And, um, fan art. So I could do quotes because I'm an author. So I just made really simple graphics like black with white text. And I noticed that those did really well on Pinterest, but not so well on Tumblr. But what did well on Tumblr was just the actual quote, no like graphic behind it. So I did that for a really long time. And I put the first three chapters or the first, like actually a lot on Wattpad to give people the chance to like experience the book. And uh, that's what I did for the, as my marketing for like the first two years. And um, the thing that you learn about marketing is word of mouth marketing is absolutely the number one way to market. But in order to get word of mouth marketing, you have to have people talking about your story. Um, so I, that's why I think everything goes back to craft and is your writing, you know, good enough. People can ignore grammar if they like the story. Now, I'm not saying you should ignore grammar, but good writers are not always good at grammar. I am one of those people. I have a degree in English, but, and that does not mean I have a degree in grammar. People get those things mixed up all the time. But if people enjoy your story enough, the grammar will come. Like you will find people to help you. Um, and it's just the reality of being a self-published author. Thankfully, now I have a publisher and an, and an editor. And I'm so glad because it's just, that's not my forte. It's really hard to self-edit anyway. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that's, I think it was just a, a combination of like all getting to know and spend time with the cast and experiencing it just like in this new visual media. It was, it was a great deal of fun in the end. Yeah. That's being able to see what you've created come to life physically, but then also being able to be involved in that. I can't even imagine it would be such a surreal experience. How do I, one thing I want to touch on though is how do you go with the patient side of things? Because obviously <laughs> something from 2009 and then, you know, having that auctioned and then, you know, not getting things started to 2014, but really that's kind of the reality of the publishing world in general. Do you have any advice on, on patients in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I, as I was telling that story, I was thinking like, it's so it's very similar to my own writing, like just working for so many years, sending it out everywhere, left and right, nobody getting it, me not understanding what to do. And then like, when you have a thing, the thing that's right, when it's working, it can move so fast. Um, and so I, I don't, um, I don't think that there is a solution to the patients. Um, and I don't think you can ever anticipate how it's going to go. The thing that I always hear and that helps me is that the part of the part of this process that you can't control is what you are creating. And so when you're waiting, you've sent it out and you're waiting for that agent to say yes or no, 
you know, for the hundredth time that this, all the people you've been sending it to, um, you can't control when they're going to read it or what they're going to say. You can control what you're writing now. And so to put that, any kind of anxiety or um, impatience that, that is completely natural, um, it's a lot of energy and there are much better uses for that energy. There are things that you can do with it. Um, and that's write something else that's wonderful and that you're passionate about because um, the next thing is always, I don't know, it's, you always want to have the next thing going, cogitating in your mind in some way. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is that it really only takes one person to say yes and open a door. And then all the paths that felt closed off for weeks or months or years, maybe they're open. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, keep that passion alive. If, if it's what you want to do, keep on doing it. That's excellent. So what does your writing routine look now um, compared to back when you were first publishing or when um, you first wrote Fallen to now just releasing by any other name? Um, I think I've gotten better at knowing my own writing process, knowing the things that are useful to me. And this is the thing like when I work with writers now, I teach um, some classes in creative writing. And I think like getting in touch with your own process is so valuable because it's, a, it's another energy saver. You know, if you know that you work best when you have a three hour chunk of time and like with the background noise of a busy coffee shop and your dog at your feet, like recreate that exact scene as many times as you possibly can. Don't sit down at 7.30 at night when your brain is offline and you've got 45 minutes. You're probably gonna generate a page of total junk. I, but there are other people who are like amazing at 7 p.m. for 45 minutes and they should never try to write in a busy coffee shop. Um, so I think like, think about the, the, the bursts of creativity and inspiration and, and, and writing momentum that you have achieved. And then think about what helped you to achieve that, you know, and it, and it can be the, just like these kind of boring mundane pieces of life. Um, but if you know, if you can identify them and, and make them happen again and again, then you have less kind of excuses for why it didn't go well today. Um, so, so for me, it's like a totally, it's a silent room. I don't want to see or talk to anybody. I, I do need more than two hours. Like if I only have an hour and a half, I'm not going to get, I'm barely going to even get into it. Um, so I like to write for like about five hours a day. And I always have to go on a walk with my dog, a hike beforehand, because I compose the first few sentences in my mind. And then I just sit down and I, I fill up the page with a few ideas um, so that there is no blank page. Cause I think I used to spend just hours staring out the window. Like, how do I get going today? I have no idea. I think when my body is moving, there's something that unlocks a scene for me. So that's how I start. And then um, bedroom slippers, lots of coffee and quiet. And I just, you know, as many days of a week as I can, can recreate that while I'm drafting something, that's what I try to do. Yeah, I just want some guesswork out of it for myself. Yeah, I'm. Are you someone that's mostly inspired by words? I'm only saying that is because you've heard that one quote, which is it unlocks the whole idea for fallen, and then you're like, if I just get these one or two sentences, like, yeah. is what kind of 
yeah, what, what is your inspiration around that? Do you read poetry or little things like that that kind of, yeah, get it, get your brain going? Uh, yeah, my husband is a poet. And so there's a lot of poetry wow. in the house. And when I'm kind of on an idea, um, you know, like right now, if I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this, the next rom-com that I'm working on and kind of trying to get as much in that world as I can and getting to know these new characters. And it's, oh, it's always a, like a creaky process at the beginning because everything is so strange to you, even in a world that like you might've been thinking about writing for a couple of years when you actually start writing it and you've got to figure out how the character walks into a room, you have no idea, you just don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I will find a poem, you know, stuck to my computer that kind of resonates with the thing that I was talking to him about the day before. Um, and yeah, I think I think music is really useful. I I also when I'm in a for me the drafting process like the first draft it's so painful and so hard anyway that I try to do as many things to make it easier on myself as possible. So like if I'm going to watch a movie or read a book during the drafting era, it's all very clearly like feeding that world that I'm mm. trying to create. If I'm, you know, when I was I was writing my historical fiction novel, which is about set in Venice in the, in the um, 18th century. Just everything I was watching was about Vivaldi and, you know, Carnival and just like historical documentaries or, or else um, something that, you know, it could be a, a kind of esoteric connection to the mm. story, but something that's going to help me is that's the media that I'm consuming when I'm in the drafting phase. take a break and go and walk and reflect on what I've been writing and then some days on a good day I might come back and revisit it late in the afternoon because there's just something else I want to you know to do or more often I'll come back and I'll plan out what I'm going to write the next day so that the next day I'm going to hit the ground running I'm not going to spend the first two hours staring at the ceiling or at my shoes going oh where am I going from here you know so I have become a lot more organized about that I I tend to think that each book, oh, when I say each book, like two novels, so, you know, <laughs> those, those I, I tend to um, want a different habitual ecosystem for each one. So I want to write somewhere different. I, I've tended not to be historically someone who writes the creative fiction at home because it's where I do everything else. Mm -hmm. So the first novel I wrote in our, like 90% of it was written in my local library. I physically packed up my computer each day and like a job and went to the library because as I've always mentioned to you with my grandma, I, I think I just have this um, really positive affinity with two libraries. I love being surrounded by stories. And these days, you know, libraries are actually, there's more stories among the people there than there are on the shelves. The libraries are so many things to so many people. So you, you, you're sort of, you're listening to all the white noise, but you're really like observing life a microcosm or a cross-section of it anyway and so I wrote that in the library then when I came to write this one I thought no I can't be the library because that that I need to be in a different headspace different characters different you know let's just change it all up again so I started writing most I wrote most of this one in my friend's co-working space that she has she has a co-working space in the suburbs where lots of people come in and um, do all sorts of things and that also just forced me, I think, to, you know, put on the pants and the bra and the shoes and go out of the house and do it and treat it like a job. And if I did four hours, that's fantastic. If I did three, that's good. 
Um, rarely, to be honest, did I do more than that because there's something about the writing process that is kind of mentally exhausting. And when I have pushed through it and pushed through and tried to do five or six hours, I'd read those last hours back the next day and go, that was, that was crap. So I know that I've got to do it in those four hours. The other thing I do um, is I keep a daily word count just for myself, like, uh, because it's like having the steps app on your phone, you know, and you, you just check it out of curiosity. You just want to have that little record each day. For some, in some way, it is motivating to me. Like today, before our interview, I wrote down that I wrote 537 words today, which is actually not that great. Lately, I've been trying to hit um, 900 or 1,000, but I still wrote, wrote it down, even though I'm embarrassed to write down a smaller number because it's my record. And the minute I start fudging it or, or not doing it, I, I fear calamity. <laughs> <laughs> it's keeping yourself accountable, 100%. Yeah. 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 And just also because I think even those days where you only write a few words, because not every day is a good writing day, it's important to remind yourself that um, it's a game of inches. Someone, in fact, that was the best advice I ever received from anyone about writing was it's a game of inches. If you, that, that to me reminds me that this huge marathon that we do when we write an arc of a, of a novel um, is, is, is a lot of different increments, increments you know, pushed together. And I have to, um, on the days when the big arc seems too overwhelming, I say to myself, literally, Carrie, remember, it's a game of inches and you did a couple of inches today. That is the best. I'm, I need to write that down like on my desk. So I, so I see that every single day. I love that it's a game of inches. It's a beautiful yeah, it, it's so it. motivating because you know that every small step is a step in the right direction. And, you know, I think some people, like I've had lots of um, people come to me in, in recent years and who are wannabe writers who want to make that next step and, um, and want to know, okay, what's the, you know, what's the secret template? What's the package? What do I do? You know, is there an app? And I say, well, you know what, as far as I know, everyone I know who writes, and I've met a lot of other writers now, everyone's path in has been different. So there is no one template, but the common thing is, that they all started with a single word. They started with half an inch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they can't, you can't get around or short, there's no shortcuts. You have to put every single inch down. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And, that, and that's and that's how you have two amazing published books now. So and and you're right. So you write, is there another there's another one in the works if you're writing on words? Yeah, now? actually, um, so what I was when I mentioned I was writing today, that's the next novel. Um, because my publisher for this one um kindly and unexpectedly offered me a two-book deal. Oh, so when you've got an actual contract that is hugely motivating. <laughs> um you know, you do have to actually do the thing. So I am, and I'm back working again. Tone of that book before with other pieces that were shorter. And I, there was, there was one year, maybe the year I should try to write this young adult or this picture book or whatever it is. I'm very much like ideas come to me and then I try to work out where that would slot in. Yeah. Excellent. You keep yourself open in that way. And yeah. how does that, how do ideas, how do ideas come to you? Where do you draw your inspiration from? 
such a cliche with the inspiration because it really does come from everywhere. However, I suppose for my books, music's a really big inspiration for me. Yeah. Huge. Um, both the actual melodies as well as the lyrics. The lyrics are huge. Um, even the title of one of my books, Remind Me How This Ends, is a is a bit of a it was inspired by an Adele lyric, for example. Um, or Melody Trumpet is completely like, you know, about music and that type of thing. Um, so now these days, I think maybe the last four or five projects I've worked on, I've always had like a, a soundtrack that I've created in Spotify that I listen to in between writing, sometimes while writing to kind of bring me into that world. So music is just so key, so key. Like, and usually I have like a few main songs for each book that if I hear it, I'm bang instantly with my characters in their world. So that's super helpful. Um, I'm a very emotional person with lots of feelings and thoughts (laughs) and all those things. So that obviously comes into it. Like my books are thousand percent fiction, but there's a lot of real authentic feelings that go into Mm. there that are just, you know, exaggerated hugely or twisted and turned, that type of thing. So they need somewhere to go. They often end up in my books. Um, What else? What else inspires me? Everything. Everything. Pop culture is another huge one. I watch a lot of film and TV listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously read a lot of books as well. Um, but a lot of writing advice is often, you know, stop right, watching TV so you can have more time to write. But mm. I just, I never can give it up. I love it so much. I get so much out of it. Um, it really helps me as a writer. So. Yeah, 100%. And you pick little bits up from here and there of whatever you're you're watching or, I'm, or listening to. I'm so glad you said music because no one's actually said that before. And I think it's a well I, here and there people have but it's mostly people like I put a vision board together or I, so I feel like some people can be a lot more visionary in that way but yeah I'm I'm with you having a soundtrack or a, or a music it like I don't know I I listen that way and things things come through to me so absolutely, absolutely. um so how much has your writing routine changed from now so from writing the intern now you said you've got little ones as well what's um what's an uh, an everyday writing routine look like now oh my writing routine could not have evolved more so I was like I said I was writing the intern in 2011 and 2012 and I'm now working on my eighth project with Harper and I have two little kids and basically I have no strict routine anymore (laughs) which I do find goes against everything I want as a as a professional writer I would thrive having that golden hour time of 5 a.m to 7 a.m every day just to keep momentum even if I'm not writing even just to have it to be by myself and think and play and even just sit there you know like just having that regular routine I find very helpful so these days I they're in care a few days. So I block out some hours during those days to, to work on my book. I scrape in a few hours on the weekend. I do a little bit at night, but it's been actually really interesting and it's been testing me creatively in a different way. I've had to get experimental again. <laughs> and one thing that's working for me with this new book is so much of the writing is happening away from the computer. And by what I mean by that is I am 
going for these long walks and combining that with like a brainstorming session. So Mm -hmm. yesterday I went for like a 90 minute walk and I sent myself, it's very daddy, sent myself voice memos about the book. I sent myself emails about the book. And by the time I got back, I had broken through a few like roadblocks that were getting in the way in terms of a few characters that I wasn't sure about, a few plot holes, planned out a few more chapters. And this was all away from the computer. Like I have not sat down and had a chance to write those scenes yet. So this book's really kind of forming and showing itself to me and away from the computer a lot of the time. So I'm hoping what that means is by the time I'm getting that more um, structured long hours alone at my computer, then I can, I can um, really do some deep writing. Um, I'm trying to just go with it because it's working so far. Like another week I was doing that and I came up with like 13 different kind of chapter outlines so it's interesting it it feels it feels like I'm not working but when I'm actually looking back at my plan I'm like no the book's forming it's just I think it's that reminder for everyone if it's your first book if it's your eighth project whatever it is it's different every time your process is different every time it has to be because it depends on your current season of life what Mm. obstacles and other challenges you have like You don't need to have kids to have challenges in your life. It might depend on how your health is or um, what other things is going on at work, that type of thing. So that's probably been one of my big lessons personally and I'm still having to kind of accept it, which is just that adaptability is so important um, because there is part of you sometimes that's thinking it's too hard. I just, I don't get my perfect time in the morning anymore. I should just give up. I'm like, no, we're coming up with something new. So I'm having to expend a lot of creative energy coming up with the new way. But I think it's I think it's it's kind of working. And in a way, it means that you've now got more tools in your writing toolkit for the future. 